Welcome to Career Combat with your host, Kelly Combat. Get ready to learn how to navigate the career battlefield and achieve a flawless victory. Now, here is Kelly. Welcome and hello and happy Fri-yay. That's what I call it, Fri-yay. Welcome. My name is Kelly Combat. And if you're new to Career Combat, welcome again. The whole point of this show is all about career empowerment, career empowerment, full stop, right? It's all about all the things that we talk about within our careers. Like I got the job, now what? I got the interview, now what? And we also have a lot of conversations with very special guests. And when I think about today, today's guest, I was I was thinking a, a while back about when I was 15. I wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> I've never shared this with a lot of people. I think only two people in my whole world know this. Uh, but when I was about 15, I wanted to be a lawyer because of all the legal shows that I used to watch, like Law and Order and all these things. And I was so excited. I went ahead and I went to um, I went to the bookstore and I got the LSAT prep book. And after looking at about two chapters, I said to myself, yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I don't think I have the brain capacity to be a lawyer. So I very quickly switched and said, I think broadcasting is for me. And the rest is history. I went to college and I focused on broadcasting. And so I tell you that story because I have so much admiration for our guest today. Her name is Patricia Taylor Todd. And Pat, as we call her, Pat is just simply phenomenal, a phenomenal, phenomenal woman. She is a lawyer, a civil servant, uh, a person who serves on boards. Uh, she works with Jack and Jill, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Okay. Okay. Soror. Okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she is a wife and a mother. My goodness. So many things I want you to know, Pat Todd. Well, good morning. Yes. <laughs> Thank you yes, so much, indeed. Kelly. You're so, so welcome. And Pat, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I mean, with all the, the hats that you wear, all the, the, the plates that you're spinning on every finger, and by the way, not dropping them, mm. uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I thought that it would be so, so cool to have you as a guest because not only because I've worked with you before, but also because I found you to be the kind of person who gives it to us straight. And that's been the common denominator with every single guest that I've had. It, I have this wish list, a wish list of people that I wanted to have on this show. And Pat, the reason why I thought you would be great is because this is real talk. I, I, I know I say this all the time in my show. I don't send questions in advance. And the reason for that is because I want to keep it real. And I know Pat is going to give it to you all for real. Well, I can hardly help it. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for the invitation. This is really exciting. I'm really uh, humbled by that amazing uh, introduction. But I have to say right back at you, you know, Kelly and I met not that long ago. Um, we were working together on a board and it was just sort of an instant connection. 
And then once we found out that uh, we are sorority sisters, well, you know, that was it. So I am glad to be here. I have listened to Career Combat. It is phenomenal. Any of you who are joining Kelly for the first time, make sure you go back and listen to every single episode because you will really be enriched. And um, Kelly, this is your calling. I didn't realize that you had been in broadcasting, but I see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. So my first question, Pat, what do you love about your career? What do you love? Wow. What do I love about my career? Well, which one, first of all? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, you are absolutely correct that I wear a lot of hats. Uh, Sometimes I think I wear a few too many hats. You know, I've been thinking to myself, hashtag team too much uh, lately. But what I what I will say, the common thread in my career has been that I really like to be of service. I really like to help people. In fact, when I decided I'm very decisive, I decided at age 11 that I wanted to be uh, an attorney. I think I tried on a couple of other career ideas such as nurse, doctor, psychiatrist. I was really sold on psychiatrist. I realized you still have to go to medical school and dissect cadavers. And then that was the end of that because no. (laughs) Um, But I've always been really um, interested in fairness and making sure that uh, people are heard. And so um, when I decided to become an attorney, you know, I prepared to become an attorney. I went to college, first generation college student, really kind of powered through that because uh, people were like, what are you doing? What is that? What do you mean you're going to college? What do you mean? Um, And then I went to law school, prepared for that got in law school, enjoyed studying law, found out I didn't enjoy, you know, practicing law, but that's another story. But I ended up um, becoming a mediator and um, an arbitrator uh, of sorts. And the thing about being a mediator was that I really loved when people would come in with some type of dispute and they just were they so defeated. You know, they're defeated. They come in, they think, oh, there's no way this can work out. And I would say, just just give it time. The fact that you're here, the fact that both parties are here means that there's a possibility. And uh, sometimes we work it out. A lot of times we work it out. Sometimes we wouldn't. But whenever we did, I could see the difference in their affect and how they were lighter and how they felt better and how I knew that their relationship was going to be better going forward, even if it was for a short time, because, you know, labor disputes tend to recur. But uh, the more you can cooperate, you know, the better that it will be. So, I really liked that. And so when um, I moved on to eventually become a coach, um, that was that's what I really love. I really love, and I've been saying this to clients lately, when I can see how they are when we start and I can see how they feel better uh, by the time we either end a session or end an engagement. And that is super rewarding to me. Really well said, really well said. And that's so empowering uh, to think about that common thread, the the thing that you just said that connects all of them, very different kinds of roles that you've held. Um, But there is definitely what I'm hearing, a common denominator with all of it. So my, yeah, so my next question has to do with, you know, and I was, I was listening to one particular part that you said about, uh, you know, doing trials and, and, and actually, you know, doing that part of the lawyer piece Maybe this is the answer, but I'm wondering what part of your career do you wish that you could do over? Like hit that reset button. Hmm. Well, I have an answer, but at the same time, it's not the answer. What I would do over 
in a sense is that I would do over my I would do over my choice of college and or law school because okay. um you know I kind of worked with what I had I had you know limited support but at the same time I wouldn't do it over because it's what makes me who I am um today it's what informs everything that I do and how I move through the world and so I do not believe in looking back. I believe in looking forward. So if I had to do over again, I would have loved to have gone to an historically Black college or university. I would have loved to have gone to a, a different law school. Um, but it is what it is. And um, I think that I benefited from the choices that I have made. And um, I think I've learned lessons that I can pass on. So I would say, no, I'm not going to redo anything because I'm... Um, Everything turned out great. <laughs> exactly. It surely did. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I used to get questioned on a lot years ago, not not as much certainly anymore, but uh, I would want to say at the beginning of my career, I used to get a lot of questions as to why I went to a historically black college. And uh, for me, it was something that I needed uh, to balance out my experience growing up in Rochester Hills, Michigan. Uh, I didn't have a lot of experience around people who looked like me. I was usually the only person in the whole school or the only person in the restaurant or the only person in the class. It got better by the time I was about to graduate from high school. But I knew I needed that kind of community to balance out my experiences because it was just so heavily weighted on the other side. Uh, and at the end of the day, I it's not for anybody else to judge. We end no. up being what exactly where we were supposed to be. That's right. And exactly. And, you know, as an aside, my husband went to an HBCU and my older son went to an HBCU. And yes. my younger son, who is a, a high school senior, is probably going to go to an HBCU. And um, I think that it's just an amazing opportunity. It was a great opportunity for my younger son. Um, and, and my husband still talks about his HBCU experience. So it's a wonderful environment um, if you seek it out. So there's a plug for HBCUs. Yes, very cool. What do you think, Pat, is your personal brand? My personal brand, I would say as a coach, is that I approach, well, my personal brand, period, not just as a coach, is that I approach uh, situations um, as a symbol of trust as a symbol of empathy and a, mm. as a symbol of authenticity. And as you said at the top, I give it to you straight. It's very, very important to me to be authentic, to walk in integrity and to uh, model that. Um, I just I just can't be un any other way. And so those are the things that I, I bring. You know, and you touch on a, a topic that really hits me in my heart because when I think about all the people who are walking around and, and living their lives without that authenticity. I feel sad about that because yeah. it seems as if, wow, if you can't show up to being who you are exactly, that is a sad state of affairs. It seems exhausting. I don't see how you can do anything besides be yourself. I can't do anything besides be myself. And in any situation where it seems like I'm not going to be able to be myself, I don't stay in that situation for long. <laughs> right, right. And that goes for the entire self, whether yes. it's 
who we choose to be with, you know, in terms of partners or uh, our friends, the people who we associate with and the jobs that we have. I mean, back in the day, you used to be in a job and you stayed with that same job or that same career, employer, what have you. You you stayed there for 30, 40 years. You got the gold watch. You got the celebratory uh, retirement party. But that's not the same thing anymore. And I think that Generation X started that a bit uh, by saying, no, why why should I stay? We, you know, the Generation X, a lot of, you know, the group was called the slacker generation. And then Mm. it got a bit better with Gen Y and Gen Z, where there was just so much more authenticity. And I applaud how every generation just gets better and better by showing up as exactly themselves. I agree, although I will say that uh, the generation that my 24-year-old is in, um, they get upset if, you know, they don't like the soap in the restroom. They say, I'm quitting. I'm <laughs> so that's a little bit too much. You know, they, right. you know, I don't agree that they should take a job and stay for, for 30 years because that's not reality today. But I do think that uh, they could be a little bit more... Um, they could be a little bit more patient or they could, uh, you know, make the situation work for them until it's time to go instead of just, you know, saying this is it. I'm not I'm not going to put up with this. Um, but you're you're right. It's great that they're empowered. Um, but they're also, I think, lacking a little bit of resilience. You know, they just think if a situation isn't good, that they just can't tolerate it. They can't tolerate it and they they won't tolerate it, but they also can't tolerate it. Because it makes right. Um, and that's one of the things about, you know, being a coach, although I don't have very many clients that are in that generation. But, you know, for me, it's about, you know, everybody has a sense at some time or another that they're going through something that no one else can understand or no one else understands. And mm-hmm. so that's, you know, what what I bring. Like, it's really great to be able to be a listening ear for someone who is in a situation that even though they're very accomplished and they're very uh, capable, they're just like, I just, I'm just not sure what direction to go in. And, you know, they get to talk to someone or relate with someone and, you know, it could be a friend too, but um, someone who really understands what they're going through um, and is willing to listen to all of it with no agenda. That's the most important thing. So that's what I mean when I say trust, uh, empathy, authenticity. Um, I'm very, very focused on making sure that um, they know that I am there for them, you know, in service of them, um, and that they don't have to, you know, worry about me having an agenda. And it really feels good to me not to have an agenda. What do you think about the fact that as a coach, that you have so much power in helping people transform? What has that done to affect your life? I'm humbled by it. I'm really humbled by it. Um, I was humbled by when I when I thought of being a coach. Um, let me step back a moment and tell you the story. So we were talking a, a moment ago about, you know, some generations or earlier generations, you know, getting a job, you know, get that good job, get that job at the post office, get sure. that job at the, you know, transportation authority and just stay there. That's a good job. It's secure. So I actually did have a, a job for way too long at one point. Um, as an individual contributor, I was there for way too long. And and I enjoyed it until I didn't enjoy it, right? So things changed and things weren't right. And I, I hung around trying to fix it. 
and uh, you know, you can't fix it. So at a certain point, I uh, went to like a like a networking meeting, like an informational uh, meeting with someone who I actually uh, wanted to hire me. I was trying to look for another job, but I really didn't know what my transferable skills were because I had been in this one role for so long. So I went to see this man. He was the vice president of HR at a um, college. And he said, what brings you here? And I said, well, I think I'm thinking of making a change. And he said, well, are you thinking about it or are you committed to it? And I thought, oh, that created a shift, right? So it was coaching. We're looking to create a shift. And I said, well, I think I'm committed to it. And from that point on, that was to me in reflection, once I had my coach training, I realized that was a very powerful question because it changed everything. I still think that man still have in touch with him to this day because it really changed everything for me. And I think I had my next role within six months. Um, I was a frustrated leader at that time and I needed to move into a leadership role. And so that's what I was able to do as a result of, of that question. So I'm humbled by the uh, ability to, to help people. Um, I got a coach right after I got that new role because I thought, wow, what else could I do if I had somebody to talk to about these things? And so um, that coach at one point, because I was in employee relations, which is really just disciplining people. So I said, well, I, I would like to do something different. I'd like to do something that can help people. And so my coach said, well, what have you thought about being a coach? And that sounded so unattainable. Wow. It's like, oh my God, I admire you so much. How could I possibly do that? And so I looked into it and I looked into it and I looked into it and then I bit the bullet and everything changed from there. So I'm I'm humbled that I was able to even get that opportunity. And I'm humbled that people trust me to help them uh, make the progress that they need. And I'm humbled that they actually make it. Isn't that beautiful? Seeing mm-hmm. that light bulb go off uh, when you're speaking with a client, even if you don't see them, you hear it in the voice, those yeah. aha moments. It's yes. just... Mm, it, 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 to even be paid to do it is just, it's transformational, yes, but it's also humbling. I love that that word that you used, humbling. Mm. Mm. Yes, it certainly is. It certainly is. Every time, never goes away. But it feels great. It feels great. I think you'll agree. <laughs> it does. It does. And And what you said earlier, Pat, about uh, that question that that person asked, that person who was head of HR at the at the college, at the university, are you going to think about it or are you actually going to do something about it? That is such a powerful question. It, it kind of reminds me of, um, is it Yoda who said, uh, there is no try? Do I don't... Or do not, there is no try. Exactly. <laughs> That's that's basically what he said. <laughs> right. He, there is no try. Are you going to do it or not? Yep. Yep. And the rest is history. So I'm so glad that you stay in contact with that person. And you're just almost like each one teach one. You got that. And now you're giving back to the world. Absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful. And speaking of beautiful, we have more diamonds to drop. Many, many more diamonds uh, to drop and pearls of wisdom. It's going to be so amazing continuing to talk with you, Pat. So coming up after the break. We're going to talk more with Pat Todd. Stay tuned. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. 
When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is Career Combat? Career Combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? Check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. That is indeed a reminder that you design the show. It is completely designed around you. Every single topic that I've had so far on Career Combat has been because people have reached out and they said, I want to know this about my career. So absolutely call in. Absolutely send me an email. I'm at yes at kellycoach.com. That's Y-E-S at K-E-L-L-I-C-O-A-C-H dot com. So welcome back. Before the break, we were talking to Pat Todd. And when you think about careers and journeys, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, all the things, it's so great to be able to pull up a chair, listen to somebody's experience, and maybe learn a thing or two. Because that's what authenticity is. And that's what empowerment is. Listening to the things that you can take away and perhaps apply them in your own life. So, Patricia Taylor Todd, you are up. (laughs) (laughs) You are up next. No, but in all seriousness, Pat, I had a few more questions to ask you because I think our listeners would really love to understand some of the things that perhaps you did and some of the things that you didn't do. I mean, before the break, you were talking about a particular person who you still hold near and dear to your heart, who introduced you to the power of coaching and the power of actually doing what you say that you're going to do. Yes. I'd also like to ask you about advice that you didn't take. So when you think about your career, Mm. any kind of advice that someone gave you that you didn't take, what was that advice? Kelly, I have to tell you, I don't have an answer for that question. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't get very much advice from other people. Mm. It's not that I don't ask for advice from other people, but it's the strangest thing. People don't give me advice, sometimes even when I ask for it. And I'm really not sure 
why that is. I think that some people perceive that I always know what to do. Um, and I said earlier that, you know, I really, you know, got a coach because I thought it would be great if I had a coach. I also said that the person that I talked to who gave me that, uh, asked me that amazing question was the first person really who had asked me something like that. So wow. I don't, I don't tend to get advice from people. I will ask people for advice and they just won't give it. They'll say something like, well, everybody's different. <laughs> Which I can't <laughs> so I wish I had an answer for that question, but the, the, the answer is that I don't. But what I would say is that um, it is important um, to, the reason why I didn't have anybody to give me advice is because I didn't have a mentor, right? I never had a mentor. And I guess the people that I was asking advice from weren't, you know, comfortable giving it for some reason. But if I had sought out a mentor uh, or made sure that I had a mentor or mentors, then I would be able to answer this question because at least there would be someone who had given me advice that I could consider and take or not take. So I think that I'm going to bounce that back to you and say, hey, get a mentor um, so that at least you can have the opportunity to hear some sage advice, even if you don't end up following some of it. And that's a great piece of advice for everybody out there because uh, I truly believe in a whole squad. Having a variety of folks doesn't need to be a lot. It could be four or five people in your life. And you can change them in, change them out as you see fit. Uh, mm-hmm. And that would include perhaps a mentor or two, perhaps a coach. Uh, even if uh, you know you don't have the, the funds to do that, there's plenty of pro bono coaching out here because mm-hmm. coaches are looking to develop their craft. It's a practice. That's why we call it a practice because there never is a perfect. So we are out here giving pro bono coaching hours. So you can go on the International Coaching Federation website and find coaches uh, that are free and coaches that are not free. It's completely up to you. But to have those variety of people on that squad of yours, even mm-hmm. a, a somebody who's a therapist uh, on that squad, um, and there's plenty of low-cost therapy out here, like BetterHelp or uh, there's so many. And so that's really important because that way you've got somebody who you can activate in your time of need. To Pat's point, Sometimes when you don't have that person, it can be hard just, you know, going through life by yourself going, I guess I got to give my own advice (laughs) and and you read books or you listen to podcasts. But wouldn't it be easier, everyone? Wouldn't it be easier if we had a squad? Absolutely. And and why wouldn't you? Because one thing that I tell my sons is that everyone wants to be part of a success story. People want to help you. If they see you doing well or doing good, they tend to want to help you. So why in the world would you deprive yourself of the opportunity to let somebody help you? Um, sometimes when you're super independent, very self-sufficient, yes. it can be hard to ask for help. Um, but there is no requirement that you do everything yourself. And actually, it's not even wise. Like one of my uh, mentees, uh, I remember that and she, you know, she's an adult. She was saying how um, they were renting and that uh, they really needed to move. They didn't like the neighborhood. And she said, we need to rent another place. And I said, well, why wouldn't you buy a place? And she said, well, I mean, I don't think we can. Um, Our financial advisor told us we needed like, you know, umpteen thousand dollars in the bank before we could do that. And this, that and the other thing. And I said, and she told me what her credit score was. And I said, what? Absolutely. Absolutely not. I gave her the name of a uh, financial advisor that I knew. 
uh, an accountant that I knew. And I said, talk to her, see what she says. And, you know, they bought a house. Wow. A house, you know, somehow he had her convinced that it had to be 20 percent down, 850 credit score or nothing. And so, you know, just from talking, she was able to change her family's life. Oh, my gosh, that's that gives me chills, because think about the choices that that person would have made just doing everything on their own. Yes. And she thought she had to. And she's very, very uh, intelligent, self-sufficient, you know, super powerful. But when it comes to certain things. Right. You know, she felt kind of uh, she didn't feel empowered. Obviously, she felt disempowered by whatever this uh, advisor that kind of was assigned to her, I guess, you know, through her family was telling her and she just accepted that. Mm. It's a good thing. And how many of us do that? I think a lot of us do that. Uh, unfortunately, I think that um, it's a it's a factor of, say, imposter syndrome. You know, you think, well, I mean, I can only go this far or I can only do this much or it's not, you know, I'm not good enough. It's not good enough for me. I'm not a house isn't for me. A mortgage isn't for me. Somehow you convince yourself of, of that because it's easier than facing what you perceive to be rejection or making a mistake. Um, but it's not comfortable. The comfort zone isn't comfortable. It's just what you have decided to settle for. Settling all the time. Exactly. Yes. And speaking on that same realm about empowerment and self-advocacy, what ways do you advocate for yourself in your career, in any part of any career path that you've chosen? What ways do you advocate for yourself? Well, um, one of the ways I advocate for myself um, is that I try to make sure that I am advocating for myself because just like the story I just told, it's easy to say, well, that's okay. I can live with this situation. I can work through it. I can power through it. Um, it'll be all right, you know. But you have to say to yourself, no, I mean, I deserve better. I deserve for them to know that um, I I want this. I deserve for them to know that I want that. I deserve a promotion. I deserve uh, a raise. And you have to be willing to ask for it. And then you have to be willing to, you know, know what you're going to do as a result of the decision. Because not every ask, you know, you went up in there and you were loaded for bear and you said, I want this. And they looked at you and they said, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I've listened to, um, you know, your your shows and I think that it was at least one um, guest who talked about how she advocates for herself and she negotiated for herself and it worked out amazingly. But sometimes the answer is no. And you have to know what you're going to do as a result of that. And this all comes back to valuing yourself. So I think that, you know, the net net in response to your question is, how do I advocate for myself at work is that I value myself. And if if I notice that I'm not being valued and I came to this point of view, I never I didn't always have this point of view. That's why I was in that other position for so long and stuck there. Right. I, I value myself and I, I know um, what I'm going to do if I notice that others aren't valuing me. And that's so spot on. And one of the things that I, I you just illuminated something that I think it needs to be said and that every time that you advocate for yourself doesn't mean that you're going to actually get it. And I, I never want to come across as almost like 
toxic positivity or uh, I, I tend to be a very optimistic person. Uh, at the same time, I, I always keep it real and talk about uh, the fact that I barely graduated from high school. I mean, I got some pretty bad grades. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when I say bad, I tested well. So I did well for some reason. I did very well on things like aptitude tests or what have you, because I had a voracious vocabulary and reading uh, in my life. But just school did not work for me, at least not until college. And another failure, if you will, was that years ago I was working at an organization. I was in human resources. And speaking of what are you going to do <laughs> when the answer is no, I was speaking with my manager and I got to a point where I said, um, you know, I was in a one-to-one -one, performance feedback and everything was well. And I was exceptional in terms of my rating. And the person asked me, what do you want to do in the next five years? What do you expect? And I said, I expect to be director. And at that point, I think I was like an assistant manager or a generalist. And they, you know, their eyes got really wide and they said, oh, wow, I, I definitely can't see that. And I said, well, you said five years. You said five years from now. And I think it's more than reasonable in five years. And they said, well, well, you know, you you need a master's degree to do that. And I said, well, I'm I'm in school right now and I have six months left. So, again, you said five years. And so we went back and forth and, and it felt very uncomfortable for me. Um, I was getting hot under the collar, just feeling mm -hmm. very uncomfortable with the whole conversation and defeated. And when I walked away from that conversation, I thought about all those times that I read books by Maya Angelou and just thinking, wow, they're they're really showing me exactly what they think of me, mm. that I don't deserve anything above the level in which I'm at right now. So moral to the story is I ended up leaving there uh, within that same year. Uh, I started making tracks. I started making a backup plan because I knew that I didn't want to be in that same position for the rest of my life. And when I was making my announcement announcement that I was leaving, I got a lot of feedback like, oh, wow, that that I can't believe you're going to do that. This place is, you know, we we never let people go. And that's a really risky move going to that particular place. And and I got a lot of naysayers. But at the end of the day, it was the right thing to do. And that's what I felt in my heart. And you were absolutely right. Because first of all, always trust your gut. And secondly, I really love that story that you just told because that person's reaction to you, I, I guess you did not ask them, you know, why they had that reaction. But a lot of things were going through my mind. One of them was they were probably thinking, well, I mean, it took me longer than five years, so it's not going to you're not going to be able to do it in five years. How dare you? Right. Um, but they let you know that you were a threat. By telling you you couldn't do it, they were actually telling you. Uh, you might do it. And I, I want to make sure that you know that, you know, I want to discourage you so that you won't do it. So what you did, which was a smart thing, was that you realized this is not the place for you because you were going to be director in five years, whether there or someplace else. Correct. And so you made it happen. And this always happens whenever you, you know, you moved in silence as you should. And then when you let them know that you were leaving, everyone was trying to say to you, 
Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Like you would say, you know what? Nah, forget it. I'm going to stay. <laughs> Ooh, <do> that. <laughs> um, but that's what they do. You know, um, I haven't left that many jobs, but every time I left, they looked at me like, what? Wait, what? You're leaving? <laughs> and I, I mean, just like you, one time I said, you know, that that job that I needed to, to get away from that I had been stuck in for so long, when I let them know that I was leaving, um, and the reason why I was leaving, you know, I had been there a long time and I enjoyed it until I didn't because I got a new uh, boss who just I couldn't do anything uh, right as far as she was concerned. And it was just time for me to go. And when I told her that I was leaving, she said, why? Wow. <laughs> my whole life flashed before my eyes. I saw every color in the rainbow. I really did. And I just, I just said with supreme self-control. It's just time for me to move on. <laughs> How hard was it to just say that? It was it was hard. It was hard uh, to say it because I really wanted to let her have it. But by leaving, I was already letting her have it. So that was enough. Um, that was enough. Mm-hmm. So um, I think she got it. And, and you know, so uh, the next job that I left was actually the, the job after that. Um, I got a, I got a, it's a job when I took the, the coach training and I was going to bring coaching to that organization. And then I got an offer for a huge promotion. Um, and I actually was going on vacation um, for two weeks to Peru. And I got the offer right before I left. And when I came back, the day I came back, I said to my boss, you got a moment? And he said, yes, come in now. And I said, I will be leaving. And I told him I was leaving and where I was going. And he couldn't believe it. And he said, you're going to go on vacation for two weeks and then come back and resign. I said, yes. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, okay, <laughs> what else can he say? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, yes. I like that job, but it was just time, you know, it was time to go then too. So, you know, that's the other thing. You have to know, you know, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. You have to know when it's time to go and you have to, um, you know, stay ready. Because if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Spot on, spot on. And I love, uh, I'm not even going to uh, ignore (laughs) the fact that you had one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite songs. Know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. run. Yes. That is so wise. (laughs) Shout out to Kenny Rogers. May he rest in peace. That's right. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Pat, I'm just so enjoying this conversation. I mean, we've talked about a variety of things. We are going to take a break in just a few moments. And after the break, when we come back, we're going to talk about a variety of things about advice in terms of, you know, all of you listeners out there. So stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. When there is a war on talent, you have to go to combat. What is career combat? Career combat is your destination for real career talk and real career advice. Here, you'll hear from the brightest and best in the business to get the answers that you've been craving. How do I get the job? How do I switch careers? How do I start my own business? How do I find my career passion? How do I find a great coach? 
This show is designed around you. Your questions answered live. The topics created by you. What are you waiting for? Check out Career Combat wherever you get your podcasts. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Career Combat with Kelly Combat. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Hopefully during the break, you grabbed a snack and now you're back. And now we are also back with Patricia Taylor Todd. So, Pat, before the break, we were talking about self-advocacy, imposter syndrome, the highs and lows of, of, you know, things that we've done in our careers. And now what I wanted to do is I wanted to shift into perhaps advice for the listeners. So. Mm you know, we talked earlier about all the variety of careers that you've been involved in in the past as well as currently. And so my next question has to do with civil service. When you think about civil service, engagement in the community, what advice do you have for folks that want to get involved in politics or in civil engagement? Hmm. I have so much advice. I have to triage it. So (laughs) I would say, first of all, if you want to serve your community, um, there's so many opportunities for you to to do so, right? So you can work in government. um, You can work in the community. You can volunteer in the community. You can um, join organizations that serve the community. There's so many things that you can do. And I think everyone should serve their community in some capacity because that's what makes a community, right? It's made up of people who are supportive of each other um, and as well as, uh, you know, people who uh, are paid by our tax dollars to be supportive, right? So you can either be someone who's paid by tax dollars or you can be someone who um, is, is altruistic and, you know, does it out of the goodness of your heart. And what I would say is that whatever it is that you decide to do, um, you know, you can do something that's close to your heart. Like, for example, um, not only did I work in government for many years, but I belong to a few organizations that um, are service organizations, as as Kelly alluded to. So uh, one organization that I'm um, very involved in is Jack and Jill of America, which is a uh, leadership organization of mothers of African-American children, primarily. Um, and it is about the leadership development of children, as well as serving the community that our, our children are in and, and serving all children. So that's something, obviously, being a mother uh, is that's near and dear to my heart, the welfare of my children, as well as the welfare and development of all children. And so it was easy to volunteer there because that's, you know, somewhere that I love. And one thing that I've noticed is that where I love, I tend to, to serve. Um, Kelly and I are in the same sorority, which is also a public service sorority. 
we obviously love our sorority, so we serve the community through that. And so um, Kelly had also mentioned that I'm on different boards. And it's okay. I had mentioned being altruistic. It's okay if you will benefit from your service. It's okay if you're going to be paid for your mm-hmm. service. In fact, your time is valuable. If, if, if it's offered, you should take the pay. But uh, you can benefit from it in your own development as well as be of service. And thank you for sharing that, Pat, because I, you know, I I think about when I uh, have been someone who was recruiting folks uh, at every level within organizations, and my eye would always go to that section with regards to engagement and service and volunteerism. How important do you think volunteering is for somebody's career? I think it's extremely, extremely important, and I'll tell you why. Uh, first of all, not only because it helps you to stand out as someone who is uh, selfless in some way, even though, as I said, it's okay to benefit. But for me, when I was in that um, that role that I keep talking about, that I was in for too long and I was a frustrated leader, um, I was a frustrated leader because I had leadership capability and leadership skills, but they were being suppressed, especially towards the end um, with the, the boss that I had that wasn't you know, a fan of mine. And so what I did, particularly in um, Jack and Jill, um, that volunteer opportunity gave me leadership experience that I was not getting the opportunity to develop in at work. So for example, um, uh, Jack and Jill has age groups of, of children and the teen group obviously is the oldest group. And um, we, they were having a teen party. So I was their advisor for that party. And when you're a volunteer, you know, you're leading, you know, you're leading a volunteer army. Um, th- these are people who don't have any consequences for not following your influence. And so you learn a lot of psychology of leadership through working with volunteers. And that gave me the opportunity. And I think it can give the opportunity to your listeners who are in a similar situation to use my leadership skills, to experiment with them without um, consequence, and to put together some stories that I could tell uh, as I was applying for leadership roles and employment. So for me, it was really, really pivotal because that particular um, social um, advisor role I had with those teens, they actually won an award for the amount of money that they raised for that particular party. Uh, it almost killed me, <laughs> but wow. um, I was able to herd cats because teenagers are not easy to lead and get to a successful result. And I was able to convey that as I was um interviewing for jobs and show uh, results that I wasn't able to um, show through the job that I had because my leadership uh, capabilities were being uh, underutilized. Exactly. And so everything, the moral of that story is so, so true that volunteerism, you said it earlier, that it's okay if you get something out of it. It doesn't have to be where you are not, because I would imagine the skills that you are gaining, if you're not getting them through your job, if you're not getting it through your job, mm-hmm. you can get it through the volunteerism. And those skills are transferable. Those competencies, they they shine. They, they're able to be uh, something that we can imagine that, oh, okay, I, I see that this person could lead X, Y, Z. These mm-hmm. are the things that actually can show up and they're okay. Uh, mm-hmm. As opposed to, I really can't understand how this person could lead. I don't really see that this candidate has it within the job that they're that they have. And I, I remember reading a book uh, a while ago 
think it was called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And uh, there was a quote in there about the, the word job. The word job being an acronym for just over broke. Just over broke. <laughs> so, so let that marinate for a few moments in terms of what is your job serving you? What is volunteerism serving you? Because it, it, you, there are some things that get you get like the serotonin and the dopamine and, and all the good, warm, fuzzy feelings, because it is important to be cozy. <laughs> the, the feelings that you get in your soul that you just can't, they're, they're, they're intrinsic. They're intrinsic rewards. But it doesn't mean that you can't get something from it as well. Right. Absolutely. And so someone like me who uh, tends to say yes too much, because I tend to be sought out for, you know, once I get involved in a volunteer role, I tend to be sought out to do this, that and the other thing. Yes. And um, and it, it, it always gets expressed the same way. Could you do this? Uh, we're really counting on you. You're really reliable. You do. You'd be great. And you have to be. I have to say this. It's really important to point out. You have to be really cognizant of what you say yes to and what you say no to, because if you say yes too many times, and this has happened to me a lot, somebody takes it off of their to-do list and now it's on your plate and now they're sleeping like a baby because they got somebody to do it um, and you're up at 3 a.m. trying to get it done, right? Because you said yes to too many things. So uh, I used to be known for for saying after a while, especially in uh, in Jack and Jill, because I've been in there for many years, I would say no initially. Right. And then I would say, well, let me think about it. And then I would say yes. And I would think about literally I would think about how I could um, benefit from it. And actually, after I had that teen role, I had other roles before that. But after I had that teen role, I was asked to do a lot of things because of the experience that I showed through that. Um, It's really important that you um, don't do too much. And I'm not really the person to model that right now. (laughs) (laughs) But it's important to think of what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to. Like, for example, you know, I said that Kelly and I were on a a board before. I've been on many boards and that particular board was not a fit for where I am right now uh, in my life. So um, I had to say no. I mean, I said no graciously. I said no um, in a time frame that didn't put the board at a disadvantage. But I said no. And um, I felt good about saying no. but. you know, I'm I'm a little bit of a, unfortunately, a little bit of a people pleaser, and so I have to be conscious all the time of not, um, of not, you know, stretching myself. You know, we talk about the idea of being balanced, but balance is not really realistic. I saw a talk one time where they said the person said, "We strive for balance, but balance means that you're standing still. What you want to strive for is alignment, uh, so that you're always moving forward. So everything that you're doing, your home life." your work life, your volunteer life, um, you want to see that they are aligned uh, and feel as comfortable as you can with how you get things lined up and be strategic um, about it. You know, uh, sometimes you're getting an opportunity and sometimes you are the opportunity and just be aware uh, of that at all times. My gosh, what a powerful statement. Uh, and, and I'm just my my mind is just like, ooh, wow, <laughs> that's a really good one, because I never thought about it that way. Alignment, uh, almost like a car getting calibrated and getting those uh, those maintenance checks, making sure that there's alignment, because 
balance is not really it. I, I've been for the last few years talking about a, a work-life blend, but mm-hmm. I like alignment better because that forces you to look at every area, every aspect of your life and do a real calibration. Yes, it's it's really important because, you know, you notice when your car is out of alignment, you yes. can drive it, but it's not easy. And you notice it, right? Because it's literally off kilter. And then once you get the alignment, you know, everything moves forward smoothly, right? Until you hit a pothole, you know, which is metaphorical, you know, in life too. But yes, it's very yes. important to notice um, whether your activities are aligned um, and whether you're doing too much. And as, as I said, be aware of when you are going to have to back away uh, from something because you can't do everything. I think someone said just the other day, you can do it all, but not all at once. Um, and, you know, you just have to be judicious about it. I've been doing too much since, ever since, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> ever since I was in college, I was doing too much. Even before I was married, uh, my husband, uh, now listen, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. And my husband still bought me a calendar that was called Meditations for Women Who Do Too Much. Oh, boy. So I've always been doing a little bit uh, too much. but. It's joyful. Like right now, I'm very happy. Nice. With everything that I'm doing. Every once in a while, I feel a little overwhelmed and I think, what am I doing? But uh, one thing I know about me is if I have white space on my calendar, I'm going to fill it in with something and probably something that benefits uh, myself and somebody else and something I can learn from. So this is just me. As long as I'm able to, I'm going to do as much as I possibly can. I think I just need to embrace that. <laughs> yes, indeed. And no, like you said, no is a very, very good thing. And it's about to be November. Get it? November. Oh, yes. And, and, and yeah, no was a complete sentence. That's November. Right. I like that. November. <laughs> what will you say no to? <laughs> uh, exactly. What are you going to say no to? It's November. Uh, exactly. Well, Pat, it's been just amazing talking with you. How can how can anybody reach out to you? How can clients reach out? How can anybody reach out to you? Well, you can reach me on LinkedIn at Patricia Taylor Todd. Um, you can also reach me at my company page, which is Tenacity Executive Coaching. Um, TenacityExecutiveCoaching.com is under construction and will be launching in the next couple of weeks. Nice. And um, through my LinkedIn page, if you'd like to schedule a time to chat, about anything that you'd like to talk about, you'll be able to do that too. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And when we will get back next week, I will have a very special guest. His name is Jonathan Dumas. That's going to be next week. He's a coach, a podcaster, and helping our leaders with full authenticity. So thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks again to Pat, Todd. You've been an amazing guest. And until next time, peace out. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Career Combat with Kelly Combat. We hope we've given you the tools to navigate your career quandaries. Until we talk again next week, have a beautiful week.